is Eugene Newdorf. Hey, everybody. For those of you watching online, streaming, or maybe watching on a different date, my name is Eugene Newdorf, and I'm one of the um, members at the church here. And as you heard already, our pastor, Kevin, is uh, on holidays and unfortunately has chosen to be sick on his holidays. So uh, uh, that's too bad, but we're hoping that he's better soon. Um, today we're going to be um, continuing a series that our pastor began um, two weeks ago entitled Blank One Another. And if, if you recall, um, he said we could use that, fill in that blank there with a lot of things. And if depending on the, the mood that we're in, depending on the mood that we're in, um, It's not on? Oh, okay. Depending on the mood that we're in, we could use that phrase either positively or negatively. You know, um, get upset with one another. You know, be ticked off with one another. You know. But we've been looking at other things about that. And um, what we're actually doing is we're looking at these one another statements that appear in the Bible that teach us how to treat one another in a good way. And what we learn when we look at these one another statements is they're not suggestions, they're actually commands. So we need to view them that way. And I don't know if you knew this, but there's actually between 30 and 40 of these blank one another statements in the New Testament. And so far, we've looked at love one another and forgive one another. And to introduce today's, uh, today's one another comment um, or statement, I want to share a story from my own life. Uh, I once had a friend who, um, who moved away to the other side of the country, to B.C. Some people consider that God's country. Uh, I don't necessarily think it is because I, I think we should shoot higher, uh, higher standards than that. But anyway, uh, my brother lives out there and he con considers it's God's country. But I had a friend who moved out there. And this was before the days of the internet and that kind of thing. So it wasn't like we could keep contact with one another well. And so over the last or the next number of years, we, we hardly saw one another and, and were not able to connect with one another and would see each other just briefly when we were at the same conferences or things like that. And years later, he moved back to Ontario to become the president of a rather large charitable organization. And I figured, oh, it would be nice to see him again. But you know what? I... Uh, I know he's going to be very busy, you know, heading up this new organization and all this new stuff that you have to get involved in. And so I said, I'm, going to, I'm just not going to go and see him for a bit. I'm going to give him some space. And then we happened to bump into each other at, a, at an event that we both happened to be at that we didn't know we were going to be at. And I mentioned, listen... Um, Sometime when you're not busy, uh, I, you know, and I just want to give you some space now, but when you're not busy, I'd love to connect with you. And he looks at me and he says, Eugene, for you, I always have time. You don't ever have to wait. And at that moment, I, I don't know, it, it, you just have to understand how, how things go through you sometimes. I just, I felt so valued. I, I, uh, I felt like our, our friendship really, really meant something to him. Because, you see, I, uh, I really knew how busy he was. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make. What he was living out right in front of me 
is um, the one another statement that we want to look at today, which is honor one another. Now, we actually find that in Romans 12, verse 10, and here's the whole phrase where it reads, honor one another above yourselves. Now, to begin to fully understand what this phrase actually means, we, uh, we need to take a few minutes to kind of reflect on the context where, where we find this wonderful, wonderful statement. It's a rich statement, and you'll see that as we unpack it. So first what I want us to do is we're going to consider the wider context, the entire book of Romans, where we find this, and then we're going to look at the immediate context, the actual passage where we find this statement to honor one another above yourselves. So first of all, the, the wider context. The, the book of Romans can be split up into two main sections. Section 1 is Romans chapters 1 through 11, and um, that's all about what we need to know, what we need to believe as Christians, as followers of Christ. So it's some of the major beliefs uh, of Christianity. The, the second section of Romans, Romans 12 to, to 16, tells us about how we're supposed to apply what we know. And um, tells us about, you know, how we're supposed to apply what we actually say we believe. And then to introduce this second section, the author, the Apostle Paul, he brings up this concept of... Uh, serving others with our giftedness and our abilities and our talents and doing it with an attitude of genuine self-sacrifice. In other words, you know, serving others by just putting our hearts into it. The implication being that if we do that, we'll experience this sense of fulfillment and joy in our serving. So that's the wider context. That's that's what immediately precedes today's one another statement. Now, on your uh, tables, you're going to find um, a, little, a little paper that will just give you a, an outline of where we're going. So if you want to pull that out and, and follow along, feel free to do that and take extra notes if you're inclined to that kind of thing. So anyway, here's the immediate context now. The actual Bible passage where we find this command to honor one another above yourselves. So what, what I'd like us to do if you feel comfortable, if not, you can just read it silently to yourself. But let's read this passage together out loud, shall we? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, in short, 
This entire passage that we've just read, it actually describes the shape of love. Now, what is that shape? Well, according to one author, he says that love is not an abstract concept. It is meant to reflect a way of life. So love in the Bible, which is called agape love, that's the Greek word for it, and that's God's love. And for those of you who may not have been here the last couple of weeks, you know, Kevin first spoke about this uh, two weeks ago when he talked about what God's love looked like. And um, he, he mentioned that, that this kind of love, it doesn't begin with a feeling. It begins with a decision to love other people, even when they're hard to love. It, it's the kind of love that, that allows you to treat people in loving ways, even when you don't want to, trusting that God will eventually bring your feelings into line with your actions at least if you happen to be struggling with that. So that's, that's this God's love. So anyway, this, this passage on love describes in a number of ways that um, the ways that you and I can, can express or reflect God's love to others. And it's this vivid, vivid picture in, in technicolor of what God's love looks like in a practical sense. And I don't know if you noticed this, but it includes... Three one another statements. We read three one another statements there, not just the one that we're looking at today. One, we, we read to be devoted to one another. We also read to live in harmony with one another. And then three, the one we want to look at today, which is to honor one another above yourselves. And so what I want us to do is I want us to try to get a better understanding of this phrase. And then what we'll do is we'll break up into table groups. And because we're a small group today, we'll just break up into maybe two tables and, and we'll discuss this further, and I'll let you know how we're going to do that. But what I'd like to do to begin here is um, I, I want to talk about one key word and one key phrase that we find in this statement. And, of course, the key word is honor. And, and the, the meaning behind the Greek word here that we've translated honor is this. It's to um, highly value or esteem someone. It means to, to go the extra mile in doing that. Okay? It means just to show this great respect for someone, to demonstrate how, how precious they are to you, that, that they have immense value in your eyes, that they have tremendous dignity in your eyes. So there's a, there's a lot packed into this word, isn't there? Now, let's move on to the key phrase, which is above yourselves. Because we're not only told to honor one another, but to actually do it to such an extent that it's above ourselves. Now, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Greek word for this one because it's about 764 syllables. It's a slight exaggeration, but yeah, you get the drift here. But anyway, pardon me. Yeah, no, we're not going to give it a shot. Um, so this, this phrase, above yourselves, tells us the extent to which we're supposed to go to honor one another. And so it means to go before and, and take the lead in this. In other words, we're supposed to take the initiative. We're not supposed to wait for the other person to do this. And then we're all, it also means to, to do it eagerly, not, not begrudgingly so. And then to do it exceedingly well. So the, really the goal is to, to put someone else above you. But keep in mind, it's not belittling yourself, right? It's, it's not being a doormat. But it's letting people know how much you actually value them. 
not just through your words, but through your actions as well. It's letting them know that you care for them so much that you're actually willing to put their needs ahead of yours when it's needed. Now, what I want us to do next is um, I, I want us to, to gain even a greater understanding because before we have, you know, move to this discussion around our tables, I, um, I, I want us to go deeper into this phrase and just push a little deeper into its meaning. And, and here's some of the ways we can do that. First of all, I was looking this up in other Bible translations because, you know, for those of you who may not know, there's many translations of the Bible that are translated into English. Like, you know, for instance, one is translated more for a grade six to grade eight level. Uh, others in just a very, very, very uh, easy dialogue um, so that it's written very colloquial in, in terms that we speak in today, you know, those kind of things. So anyway, I was looking up a few uh, translations and here's how it talked about that phrase, honor one another above yourselves. That outdo one another in showing honor. Excel in showing respect for each other. Practice playing second fiddle. You know, when I first read that, it reminded me immediately of something in my own life. I've, <laughs> right from a very young age, I've, I've just always been a leader. My, my mom told me that even at the age of five, and, and when I was growing up, there was no kindergarten, and my dad was a school teacher, and he taught in a one-room schoolhouse, taught eight grades, right? And the, the school was situated in a rural community, so it's out in the field somewhere, and, uh, and the house that we're living in is, is, is on the same property that school is. There's a big baseball diamond. It's a big, big area that, that you can have. And so I'd be out there, Mom says. I'd go out of the house. I'd be out there on the ball diamond with my baseball glove, my bat, my ball, and I'm waiting for the grades one and twos to come out for recess so that I can organize them into two teams and then play baseball. Now, number one... I'm surprised grades ones and grades twos would listen to me. That's the first thing. And, and number two, I'm really surprised I didn't get beat up trying to do that, right? Perhaps it was the fact that my dad was a teacher and that's the one that saved me, right? That could have been the... But anyway, that, that kind of thing happened. And, and just always, always put into situations where I was just leading. And um, so I was also a football coach for... Uh, nine years, six, six of them as a, as, a, as, a, as a head coach. It was for grades 12, or um, ages 12 to 15. And um, so I was coaching for six years as, as the head coach. And then we moved uh, to Regina to, to go to seminary. And I decided I'd still like to keep coaching and doing some community service. And so I would like to coach. So I, I called up the, the league and I asked if there was any positions. And they said, well, we have an assistant position. I'd never been an assistant before, Right. And I didn't realize that God was going to teach me what it meant to be second fiddle. And it was a good thing because the first church that I was pastoring in, I had to be an assistant. I was an assistant, not the lead pastor. So I had to begin to learn what it meant to be second fiddle because when you play second fiddle, you want to make sure the person you're working with and for, that they're succeeding. You want to do everything you can to help them to see, succeed as well. You want to honor them as your boss, so to speak. So anyway, that's, that's um, some of what it means when you look at other Bible translations. Now, the second thing I want us to do to kind of push a little deeper is to look at a companion passage in Philippians chapter 2 because here the concept of humility is tied 
to honoring one another above ourselves. Let, let me just read the passage there for you. And um, you can follow it up on the screen here behind me. So there we see Paul writing and he says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion in your heart, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Now, catch this. I'm gonna, now we're going to see, now we're going to see the, the phrase that's highlighted in blue there. That's the sentence which is a companion to the commandment to honor one another. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. In other words, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So from this companion passage, we, we discover that to honor someone above ourselves, it actually takes a spirit of humility. It takes a humble heart. A desire to, to make a decision to actually humble ourselves. Okay, now pulling all of this together, here's what it means then to honor one another above ourselves. It, it's not um, neglecting yourself, but it's rather allowing others to come to the forefront instead of you and making a conscious decision to do that. It's purposely treating others like you would like to be treated, which means then that you're willing to go the extra mile for them, right? It's outdoing one another in showing them how much you respect and value them. It's to actually be more interested in valuing others deeply rather than having others value you. And then finally, it's actually being willing to lift others up and just humble yourself. Now, when I was trying to think of a couple of Bible examples where we see this, I was drawn to two places. One is a very practical example. The other one is more of a, a symbolic example that can lead us into practical things. And the first example involves um, a daughter-in-law by the name of Ruth honoring her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, keep in mind, here's the background of the story. Ruth, for those of you who don't know, Ruth has been living in a cross-cultural marriage. So she is a non-Jew and she married a Jew. However, her husband uh, died before they could have any children. And then Naomi's husband died as well. So Naomi is going to travel back to Israel from where she's been living, from where the family's been living. And, and she says to Ruth, look, my husband and my son are dead. So I release you from your responsibility to me. So just go home. You can be with your own people. Now here's what Ruth says. I've got it on the screen behind me. Look, look what she says. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Because where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And then to drive home the point, she says, May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. As I looked at that and thought of her words, I said, Wow, she's honoring Naomi big time here, right? 
Now, in case you're wondering, just so you know the end of the story very quickly, Ruth eventually marries a Jewish man by the name of Boaz, and then eventually becomes the great-grandmother of King David. So, hardly a doormat, right? Now, the other example that I want to talk about is a symbolic example. And this one involves Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It's the night before Jesus' death. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room somewhere in Jerusalem. So Jesus knows what's going to happen to him. His disciples don't. They're celebrating Passover, the Last Supper. At some point during their time together, Jesus responds to an argument that his 12 disciples are having. And they're talking about who's the greatest among them. And this is after hanging around Jesus for three years, they still don't get it, right? And so they're arguing about who's the greatest among them. And Jesus calls them to servanthood, to lead with a servant's heart. And then he also does something else during that, that evening. We don't know exactly just when. But at some point, he, uh, he gets up from the table. He takes off his outer clothes. I'm not going to do that. Um, he, uh, and I thought you'd all clap and cheer that I wasn't going to do that. But anyway, he, uh, he wraps a towel around his waist. He, uh, he pours water into a basin. He, um, he grabs this basin, and one by one, he goes to um, each disciple. He bends down in front of each one of them. Keep in mind, he's their teacher, he's their rabbi. And he gets down in front of each one of them. And note that um, they would have been dirty, they would have been dusty, right? Their feet would have been very dirty. And... Um, Usually servants washed people's feet when they came into the house, right? But apparently that hadn't been done. And so he's getting down there, and he begins to wash each one of his disciples' feet. And as he begins to wash, the disciples are thinking, this, this is awful. This is something a servant should be doing. What in the world's going on here? Our rabbi, our teacher, and where his leadership team is washing our feet. And Peter actually... At one point says, no, no, you're not washing my feet. You're too good for me. And, and, and Jesus says, you've got to allow me to wash your feet. But at the end of that whole thing, then Jesus says, now, do you understand what I've been doing here? He says, um, I want you now to be like me as you go and build the church. He says, this is how you lead. This is how you treat one another. Friends, you know, take this all together, this whole package. That's what it means to honor ourselves or honor others above ourselves. That's what it looks like. And this is a great picture to understand to having the kind of God confidence to be able to get down in front of people and, and, and lead from an attitude of servanthood. To honor one another from an attitude of servanthood. It's not demeaning because you have full confidence of who you are in God. It's simply 
being like Jesus. And remember the companion passage? It said to be like Jesus at the end of that passage. So there's no shame in doing that kind of thing. What we're going to do is we're going to move to our table discussions. But what I'm going to ask you to do is um, if um, the, the table back there, Alex, if you guys could come up to this table here, okay, and this table back there, because you could join these two up here. We'll, we'll have this, we'll have two people right at the front here. Now, what I want to do before we get into our first, and you'll see the, we're, we're going to see something in a short while here, but what I want to do is I want to actually wash somebody's feet today. Okay? So I want to choose somebody, right? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. No, I won't do that. Um, I'm just going to choose somebody. Chris. Okay? I think I know you. Uh, I think you're willing to do this for me. And... Okay. Here you go. All right? Now, just put your feet right in here. Okay? I'm going to get my towel here. Get some soap. Are you ticklish? We'll even get in between your toes there. Okay. Get the soap off so you don't slip and fall. With the other foot here. And one of the things, Chris, that I wanted to say to you and I wanted to tell you is I've gotten to know you now over the last two years and uh, I have noticed and what I appreciate about you is the way in which you use your gifts so selfishly for others. Uh, you're selfless, brother. And uh, you use your leadership gifts you use your uh, gifts in, in music just to serve other people in a very selfless manner. The other thing I've noticed about you is that um, you exude a quiet confidence. And um, you're just so easy to hang around, and it just feels like a safe place to be around you. I've, uh, so I would just say you have this... Uh, this quiet confidence, this, um, this heart for others that, that I admire so much. And then um, the thing that I've noticed most, which I respect most about you, is that you really give us an example of what it means to be a person striving to be a man or a woman of God. And so um, I just wanted you to encourage you with that as I washed your feet. Just stay there. Now, here's the question I have for you. What, what were you thinking, what were you feeling as I washed Chris's feet? Besides, oh, I'm glad he didn't choose me uh, kind of thing, right? What, what were you thinking, what were you feeling as I washed his feet? What was going through your mind? Anybody? Just share. What were you thinking? Very intimate, okay? Yes. 
Okay, so for those of you who are watching online, the person just shared how she was just thinking of her mom, worked so hard for and, and, and sacrificed, and so just thought that this would be a way just to think about her mom and, and, and what it meant to her about her mom. Anybody else? Yeah, Alex. Okay, you need to be open to one another to accept this kind of thing. Where you're going to do this kind of thing for one another. Yeah, true. Now, Chris, I have a question for you. Now, by the way, just so you know, I got Chris ahead of time. I, I was just messing with all of you, okay? So I got Chris ahead of time to greet. However, he did not know that I was going to encourage him while I was doing it, okay? So what did you feel? What was inside your heart when I was encouraging you? Okay, let's thank Chris for doing this, okay? You see, one of the things about um, honoring one another is just the very kind of thing I, I did for Chris is in that I, um, I not just washed his feet, but actually spoke words of encouragement to him because that's the way you honor someone. That's one of the ways we can honor someone is speaking into them something we see in them or some hope to give to them, that kind of thing. Now, You'll notice on, that, on the first question on your, your table talk on the back side of your thing there, you'll notice that there's a statement there or a question that says, did you realize that Jesus washed Judas' feet as well? Knowing that Judas was going to betray him later that evening. So... Um, Talk amongst yourselves at your tables, and come on up to this table over here. Talk amongst yourself at your tables. What does that tell us? What does that tell us about who we should honor and, and, and how far we should go with honoring one another? Just spend a few minutes talking about that, and then I will move us on to the next question, okay? So go ahead and start talking about that. What does that tell us about who we should honor? Oh, before you go there, I have one more thing to say about this. Um, Ron and I were visiting a church in downtown Toronto one time. It's an Alliance church. I don't know if they're still doing this, but did you know that th this church was actually giving foot care to the homeless and the indigenous people that were there? And, and the indigent, I'm sorry, indigenous. In, indigen you get what I'm saying. And... Um, he, they, they were doing that to help counter the possibility for disease and infection in people who can't always go and, and, and get a shower or that kind of thing. So they were actually doing this in, in, in an office in, in downtown Toronto in their church area. And um, for them, it was just a practical way to honor these people and to say, we know that you know, you're going through tough times right now, but we want to just let you know we value you. And... Um, we want you to feel a sense of dignity here. So anyway, so with that in mind, just talk about that, last, that second question. What does that tell us about who we should honor? The fact that Jesus washed 
Judas's feet. You can continue talking about this for a couple of minutes, but I'm going to move on to questions two and three, and I'm going to just use them as a package there, and you can feel free to discuss them how you'd like. But I want you to think of a time when you witnessed someone being honored or valued by someone. Describe how that made you feel, how, that, how you interacted with that. Or you can think of a time when you were honored or valued by someone in a practical way and describe how that made you feel, right? Maybe how it, wanted you, it, it caused you to want to do something for other people. I shared with you how, how at the beginning, how how when that friend told me, Gene, I always have time for you, right? Doesn't matter how busy I am. That was a way that somebody showed honor to me, right? So, so take some time to share with one another either something you've witnessed or something that happened to you. And, and take about, you know, five, ten minutes to do that. And then we'll move on to question four.
You're not done talking questions two and three through yet. Uh, I am going to, you just feel free to stay there a while. I just don't want to have people just waiting and that kind of thing. But the last question is really to help us to begin to get a little practical in our thinking. And um, maybe you can begin talking about or thinking about what are some of the ways in which we can honor one another today, be it in our family, in our church, at work, with our neighbors, you know, whatever context that you might want to think about. Just begin to start brainstorming about ways in which that, in, in either a general sense or a specific sense, that we could begin um, honoring other people above ourselves.
Okay. I'm sure we could talk about this longer, but what I'd like to do is um, I'd like to kind of wrap this up, and, and we're going to move into our communion time and, uh, and our final worship. And that, but what, if you noticed on your, your sheets of paper that you were given, there's, there's a, an, a section at the very end called take home stuff. And uh, that's just sneaky language for homework, uh, in case you're wondering. Um, but I just thought it would be good for us to maybe, in our own hearts and minds, maybe through a quiet time or something like this or at different periods, we could kind of look at, at a couple of these things and, in our own hearts. And so... The first thing says, examine your, your honoring others quotient. Is it hard for you to encourage or value others? Why? Can you think of a time you lived out this command in the past week, the past month, the past year? If not, why not? And then think about it in terms of your family, your church family, your friends, your working colleagues, your neighbors, your schoolmates. So just begin to think about that. Maybe take some time this week to just, so, so that we can just kind of build on what we've learned today. Take some time to take, take it home. And as you're maybe going through some quiet time, or for those of you who have your, your family or your, your personal devotions, uh, study time about the Bible and that. Think about that. And then the last one is reflect on who God might want you to honor above yourselves. Then make a list describing the manner in which you're going to live out this command and how soon you will do it. And then have someone keep you accountable to it. Um, you don't have to do it exactly the way I just said it out there, but sometimes it helps. If we tell somebody, listen, I've just sensed from God that I need to go and encourage this person, check with me in a week to see if I've done it, would you? And that can be a great way of, of uh, helping one another. Well, listen, let's pray, and then we're going to go to a, a time of communion. And um, Father, um, we look at some of these one another statements, and when you consider the fact that it's between 30 and 40 of them, and that each one of them is not a casual suggestion, but rather a loving command from you. At times, though, it can seem overwhelming because sometimes we're dealing with a lot of hurt. Sometimes there's stuff going on in our own minds and um, we haven't been experiencing anybody honoring us. In fact, it's probably been the opposite. And so, Father, um, one of the things that I'm so appreciative of is that you have promised us that um, you will give us your strength to live the way you want us to live, that we don't have to do this on our own. And we know that uh, when you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sin on the cross and to uh, help us to have a right relationship with you through that, that your Holy Spirit comes and lives inside us, and then uh, gives us the strength, gives us the ability, gives us your heart, your passion to act like you want us to act. We thank you for that because we know we couldn't do it on our own. And as we go to communion now, Father, as we take the bread and we take the cup and we eat it and we drink it, remembering what your son Jesus did on the cross for us, may we remember that if we know you, through your Son, if we've accepted your Son as Lord and Savior, that your Spirit comes and lives inside us and gives us your strength, gives us your ability to be able to honor others above ourselves. We thank you so much for this, God, and we ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen.